The latest G20 summit was held in New Delhi, India over the weekend, and the final declaration marked a notable shift in the global focus that, for the last year, has been all about the Western narrative on Ukraine. So let's talk about some of the winners and losers from the event. First up, winner, India, for hosting the summit while balancing all of the different players involved and not doing too much to bow to the West. That was evident in the final G20 declaration, which focused on the, quote, human suffering and negative added impacts of the war in Ukraine with regard to global food and energy security, supply chains, and macro financial stability, inflation, and growth. But it didn't mention Russia once. That's a pretty significant departure from last November's G20 summit in Bali, where the declaration condemned, quote, in the strongest terms, the aggression by the Russian Federation against Ukraine. As a result, loser, Ukraine. Because Zelensky could not care less about global food and energy security, he cares about the three W's, weapons, wealth, and Western attention. And despite the latest reports that the Biden administration is considering long-range missiles with cluster bombs for Ukraine, that language from the G20 declaration isn't likely to revert back to what it was in 2022, which is a sign that countries aren't just blindly pledging unconditional support for Ukraine because the West tells them to anymore. And it's also a reminder that the global view of Russia's position on the conflict is not where it was a year ago. Winner? China. And yes, I'm saying that even though this was the first time a Chinese leader hasn't attended a G20 summit since it began back in 2008, Xi Jinping certainly sent a message when he attended the BRICS summit in Johannesburg last month, but then didn't attend the G20 last weekend. But if you think about it, it didn't hurt him in the long run that he wasn't in person to talk with Indian Prime Minister Modi, who, again, he just saw at the BRICS summit. But also, he avoided running into Joe Biden and having to make some sort of awkward small talk at a time when Washington continues to increase its military presence in Beijing's backyard. Loser? France. If you've been paying attention to any of the news coming out of Africa this year, it's easy to see that it has not been a good year for Emmanuel Macron. But it's also hard to feel sorry for him when he claims to support the democratic will of the people, unless, of course, you're the yellow vest protesters in his home country, or you're literally any country in Africa that is fighting back against French colonial domination and its lingering influence on the continent. It has been over a month since a military coup in the West Africa African nation of Niger led to the overthrow of the Western-approved leader there. And Macron is still refusing to recognize the military officials in power while advocating for military intervention in the country. Of course, he's not exactly on the front lines himself. Now, when it comes to the G20, African nations are getting more involved than ever, as the African Union, which consists of 55 member states, was just added as a permanent G20 member. Yet Macron tried to spin the summit by insisting it was proof that Russia was isolated from the world, while he's also talking about a bunch of countries that are still working closely with Russia. And of course, winner, Russia. President Vladimir Putin wasn't even present at the summit, but that didn't come as much of a surprise, given that he has severely limited his international travels over the last year and hasn't left Russia since the International Criminal Court issued a warrant for his arrest over alleged war crimes in Ukraine, charges that Russia strongly denies. But even with Putin not being there, the language of the G20 declaration still changed from condemning Russia to not even mentioning Russia. Russian foreign 
Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov was in attendance at the summit, and he described it by noting that the West failed to make the meeting revolve around the Ukraine conflict, thanks in no small part to the efforts of developing countries. Speaking to reporters, Lavrov praised India, which he said has helped to consolidate the countries of the global south. As a result, they stood up to, quote, prevent the West from once again Ukrainizing the entire agenda of the summit and diverting attention from the urgent problems facing emerging economies. Okay, just a note here. Anytime Lavrov is in the kind of mood where he's using a new term like Ukrainizing, then you know Russia is in a good spot. And that certainly seems to be the case, as Zelensky starts to admit the realities of the counteroffensive that anonymous U.S. officials have been hinting at for weeks now. And finally, loser, the United States. Mainly for having Joe Biden as our president, I mean, this man cannot seem to get through a single press conference without mumbling incoherently or eventually needing to be escorted off stage. He's almost to the point of Mitch McConnell, where he just freezes and then waits for help to come his way. It's ridiculous that here in the U.S., our politicians look like a retirement home that instituted a coup to take over, and we just let them. Never mind the fact that Nancy Pelosi just announced that she's running for re-election again at the age of 83. But then there's also the fact that Biden spent the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 attacks at a conference in Vietnam before apparently going to meet with U.S. troops in Alaska. He had plenty of time to get back to New York City, but instead we were stuck with VP Kamala Harris as the U.S. political establishment has started to force her on the American people with interviews claiming she would be ready to be president if necessary. Yet this is the same woman who compared 9-11 to the January 6th protest, but that was just enough to put her in the position of one of the establishment's top contenders for 2024 if Biden doesn't end up running. Now, politics and the desperate need for term limits aside, the fact that it has been 22 years since 9-11 serves as a reminder of just how much the world has changed over the last two decades, in large part due to U.S. foreign policy. When the Bush administration declared the so-called war on terror and used it to launch the invasions that neocons had been dreaming about for years, they started a chain of events that woke the world up. The U.S. wasn't just declaring war on a specific country for a specific reason. It was declaring war on the idea of terrorism in the eyes of warmongers representing special interests seeking to profit heavily off of it. The result? The U.S. established a precedent where it could bomb a country, overthrow a government, set up military bases around the world, do just about whatever it wanted, and then claim it was all justified, and the media would carry the propaganda far and wide. The countries that didn't comply were hit with crushing sanctions, and the message was sent. The U.S. was more than happy to weaponize its dominance and its status as the world reserve currency. It did so for many years with little consequences. But the world has paid attention, and that's why we're seeing the current shift towards a multipolar world order in which countries like Russia and China are coming together and increasing their outreach throughout Africa and Asia. The lessons learned from the last 22 years aren't just about the impact the aftermath of 9-11 has had on the U.S., but on the world as a whole. And we're seeing the results of that today like never before, and that's something everyone should be talking about. If anything in this video resonated with you, be sure to like it, share it with your friends, leave a comment, and as always, don't forget to subscribe. 
And if you want to keep up with all of my work, please, please check out my channel on Telegram. That's t.me slash Rach Blevins. And I say that because that's where I share a lot of the work that I'm not able to share on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of the social media platforms that are heavily governed by big tech. So definitely check out my Telegram channel to keep up with my latest work there and join my group there if you want to keep up with all of the latest breaking news. I'll see you soon.